headphones on on a transistor radio. I'm Michael Marinello. I'm Robert Mathers. This week, we're listening to George Harrison's Dark Horse. We're running on a dark race course. Um, uh, are we in the groove? Did you drop the needle? More swing and a little bit of scotch, I think is what you're looking for, right? It's time for the Radio Free Jersey Record Club. <laughs> How are you, bud? Good. How are you? Well, here we are. Episode two. Episode two of the Record Club. Thank you all for subscribing and following along and, uh, and listening. I didn't realize how many deadheads we have uh, that we were friends with. That uh, <laughs> if they didn't listen to the show, they at least like the social media posts yes. that uh, that we've made about that. So uh, that's that counts for something. Absolutely. I can uh, hang our hat on that. Absolutely. So, uh, and uh, it's funny. I got uh, you know we get the notifications on Instagram of a new followers for Radio Free Jersey. And I right. was like, wait, wait. I glanced at it the other morning. And I went, that name looks familiar. Hey, it's Mike's sister. <laughs> there you go. So uh, thanks for go. listening, Marissa. Married to your your former neighbor. Neighbor, yes. <laughs> yes. Welcome one and all. Th- this week, um, this will be good uh, for those of you that know Robert and I well. Do you know that a, uh, a core tenant of our philosophy, if we have philosophies, is, uh, you know, the uh, the book, uh, you know, that our, our favorite Beatle is George Harrison, both right. of us. And uh, uh, so this was a natural fit. So a little a peek behind the curtain. Um, the first uh, episode, I picked it. I wanted to celebrate in between days and do and, and go down the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia. Uh, this time, uh, we had, I, uh, I let, uh, Robert decided to choose and, uh, Robert, you want to fill us in how you actually chose this album? Yes. Uh, and, and it's, I think it's incredibly interesting that how we landed on this, um, as we had talked about, I think in, uh, either the first episode or when we were prepping this, it might've, we might've mentioned this, uh, in the run up and the promo for this on of all time, but I literally, after Mike and I recorded the, um, the, the run for the roses episode, uh, I stood up and I went at the top of my album collection with Mike on the line. And I just ran my finger down with my eyes closed and I said, okay, stop. Well, you know, Mike said, stop. And it fell upon this record, George Harrison's dark horse. His first post Beatles album had all his, you know, basically all those songs, a double album called all things must pass. Uh, and for the Beatle nerds here, we, you know, we heard a lot of that in the anthology. He played a lot of those songs for the Beatles and, you know, didn't make it. So it was the great running thing that he had so many songs built up over time that he couldn't get onto a Beatles album that uh, all these songs came pouring out and he finally recorded them. And it was a, a huge double album and, a, and what I think is a masterpiece. And then he followed that up with, so that was 1970 in 1970, what, 73 was uh, living in the material world. Yes. And then this came and, out in um, 74. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And uh, also in there was the uh, concert for Bangladesh and the album that came out after that. So, you know, that could be considered, you know, uh, which mostly just had uh, his solo stuff and a handful of Beatles songs, plus, you know, uh, Billy Preston, Bob Dylan, you know, uh, the whole the whole gang. Yeah. uh, Bangladesh was 71. Right. But yeah, it was a live album. Yeah. Right. So, um, so yes, it is, um, so we're going to jump in and go kind of, 
uh, deep dive it with uh, George Harrison's Dark Horse, not to be confused with. And Robert, uh, just a question off the top of your head. While you were looking up lyrics and uh, and doing your research, how many times did you come across Katy Perry Dark Horse um, <laughs> uh, in your searches? A couple of times. Most of the <laughs> research that I did um, either came from George Harrison's website, you know, uh-huh. where, where he told the story. But I, I very frequently, in fact, it's sitting right here. You can, uh-huh. it is right here. I'm hitting it <laughs> or, or, or touching it. This is, I have the uh, the copy of the Gospel According to George, right. the Olivia Harrison edition, uh, mm-hmm. which came out in 2017. George Harrison wrote an autobiography we uh, uh, affectionately call the Gospel According to George uh, yep. in 1980, where, you know, it's basically his life and then right. a bunch of photographs. And then mm-hmm. up to that point, every song he'd ever written, uh, in m- many cases, it's his, you know, actual, there's a a picture of the handwritten um you know his the the lyric sheet. You know him him writing right, yep. the lyrics, and then an explanation for most of those songs. You know what, what he was thinking at the time and all that all of that. And then um, he kept those notes going when he wrote for um, Cloud Nine, Brainwashed, some of the you know his tracks that he wrote for Wilburys, and then right. that was included in 2017. Because of course George died in November of 2001, right? Uh, and Olivia Harrison, his uh, his wife, um, uh, kind of you know made added that and then you know added some other stuff. So uh, it is this extended edition. It is called. Um, Yes, it is quite lovely, but that's what I, yes, I use that uh, for much of my research and then um, I tried to stay way where I could from Wikipedia unless I had to, you know, answer another question. So let's go to the stats stats here and uh, give uh, a full uh, breakdown. Um, let's see. So this was released on December 9th, 1974 on EMI Apple Records. Still, uh, we'll get to that. We'll get mm-hmm. the whole legal wrangling behind closed doors, et cetera, et cetera. With that, uh, this is his fifth official solo album. There was uh, well, Wonderwall Music and another electronic music album, yep. All Things Must Pass, um, Living in the Material World and the Concert for Bangladesh. Uh, let's go uh, the tracks on the album. Side one, Harry's on tour. Parenthetical Express, Simply Shady, So Sad, Bye Bye Love, which is an Everly Brothers cover rewrite, but it was uh, written by Felice and Bodlo Bryant. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Last song on side one is Maya Love. Side two opens up with Ding Dong, Ding Dong, uh, George's uh, holiday song. (laughs) Uh, Dark Horse, uh, Far East Man with Ron Wood. Uh, he, I think he co-wrote that yep. and Ron Wood came out with his own version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last song is It Is He, Jai Shri Krishna. In 2014 re-release, they released the B-side to Dark Horse, which was I Don't Care Anymore. Um, and and yeah, then there was, a, there was a, actually a, uh, a reworking, uh, another mix of uh, Dark Horse. All right. Um, musicians. Um, There's a ton of them on this record. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe this will go into a, a little, we, we need to go into a little bit uh, further detail. He, it sounded like, or it's not sounded like, it was where he started recording this in England in his... Uh, Friar Park Studios, the, yeah. Friar Park Studios. Uh, and then eventually started, you know, moved it to L.A. and then moved, uh, yeah, and then finished recording in L.A. Basically, it sounds like 
kind of right before they were set to go on tour. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that's why you see a couple of, and you know, and, and another, I, I think it was the, um, the first song at the very least is the band LA express. Is that the, is that Correct. the name of them? Yep. That outfit is Tom Scott on horns, Roger Kellaway on piano, right. John Guerin on drums, Max Bennett on bass, Robin Ford on guitar. And of course, right. George. Uh, so other guitarists who also played Eric Clapton, uh, Alvin Lee, Ron Wood, Mick Jones, not of the clash. The, I think that's the Mick Jones that was later in foreigner. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Guerin, you said Ringo makes an appearance, Jim Keltner, who had also been on a lot of his other solo work, Andy Newmark. Uh, we mentioned Tom Scott, Chuck Finley, Jim Horn, Emil Rich, uh, Roger Kelway, Billy Preston, Gary Wright. Gar- I was just about to say, and Gary Wright's the dream leader as well. So. Yes, Gary Wright was also and, on Almost All Things Must Pass. Right. Uh, Max uh, Bass, Max Bennett, Willie Weeks, Klaus Vorman, uh, our favorite our favorite German. Um, so, And then yes. backing vocals and spiritual guests, Patty, Vo- Patty Boyd, Olivia Arias, and Sir Frankie Crisp. <laughs> and this who is was the previous t- owner of... Of, of his house, Fire right? Park, right. So right. The, this is all take, which which we'll get into a little bit. But this is pulled from the the handwritten liner notes uh, on the record itself. You may be thinking, well, that's odd. Why why is Patty Boyd on this? We'll we'll get to that a little bit later mm-hmm. here, right? Um, and I think it's <laughs> interesting that so Olivia Arias is not she, she's part of the like spirit guide and. You know, thank you. Although it, she's listed on Dark Horse, right uh, on the song Dark Horse, and um, she was a uh, she was working at uh, Dark Horse Records, which at the time was being formed in in Los Angeles, of uh, and originally uh, set for George to you know he was going to move himself over there when his deal with uh, Apple was complete in 1976. Right. But this uh, Olivia was working for the label in uh, LA. And then she eventually became Olivia Harrison. Right. Exactly. And um, so that, that's kind of, uh, let's jump into that now. Um, What uh, this is, uh, what what did he call it? The, uh, his naughty period, his, uh, his dirty period of, this is kind of, you know, we, we always hear famously about uh, John Lennon lost weekend with, uh, with uh, Nielsen. And uh, this is kind of the George Harrison version of that. So, yeah, um, he had had. a Yeah, it was a really bad. I mean, he was coming out of his, uh, you know, basically this was the the divorce was in process with Patty. Patty had left uh, uh, left uh, George and went with Eric Clapton. Right. Um, So also see, you know, uh, maybe for a future uh, record club release, uh, Layla and other sorted love songs, (laughs) which is you know, a little bit earlier, but basically Eric's side of, yeah, I want this girl and I can't have her. Right. And then he, he ultimately got her. Um, right. He turned to drinking. He, he, he drank a bit more, um, yep. you know, as he, he, he himself, he said, you know, this was a, uh, a, a bad domestic year. Right. Um, right. And, and basically it's, it's caught, he tells sort of that story a bit in the song right. Simply Shady, which we'll get into, you know, in a little bit. If you are a, a really honest George fan, mm-hmm. I think you'll like this record, as we do, right? Uh, the tour leading into this release uh, mm-hmm. was panned uh, 
yep. by Ben Fong Torres. <laughs> uh, and I say it like Crazy. that because that's how he says it in Almost Famous. Ben yep. Fong Torres was an editor and a writer for Rolling Stone and mm-hmm. um, basically panned the tour and panned yep. the record as well. But yep. pan- really panned this tour, um, not only in the magazine, but Rolling Stone had launched a, uh, had, had a syndicated radio segment um, called Rolling Stone Music News mm-hmm. uh, in North America and uh, panned it there. So it it the fact that uh, the album was released as this tour was winding down, yep, uh, didn't help things. But other critics really loved the record. Yep. Um, although because of and and George has attributed this to. Um, to Rolling Stone, uh, mm-hmm. dinging the record. It only went to the number three on the British charts, did not get to number one in the United right. States charts. It was the first time that did not happen for George right. in his entire career. Yep. Um, and then Jim Miller of Rolling Stone also panned the record. So, right. But uh, be, be, before we go on to that, let's just, I, I just want to touch on a couple, two things. Uh, one, his life was kind of, you know, and it, 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 we'll touch on it even greater detail with the lyrics. His life was in greater in kind of turmoil for a couple of reasons. One was the, the final, the, um, breakup of the Beatles was slowly winding its way through the court system. And this was right around the time that he was, um, the three of them were trying to get out from under Alan Klein. Right. So, you know, when the Beatles broke up, it was basically those, you know, Ringo, John and George going with Alan Klein and Paul saying, screw that. I'm not doing that. So I'm just going to end the Beatles because I think Alan Klein's a, a dirt ball. Turned right. out, uh, Paul was right on that one. And, yeah. uh, now they're trying to get out from under that. And, you know, uh, so there's that. Then there's the whole Patty thing, but also of his own doing, you know, he, he had had, or was, you know, rumored to have affairs with, um, Ron Woods partner at the right. time, <laughs> Maureen Starkey, the, of uh, thanks Mo, uh, fame yeah. at the end of get back. Um, so he was, you know, um, you know, not exactly blameless in this. And I think he at least does, he recognized it. And you could hear that in a lot of the lyrics he sings. Um, He was very self-aware, especially as he was, uh, you know, doing this uh, lifelong search for enlightenment. And he he says, you know, I'm not a guru. I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. I'm I'm here because I'm trying to get it right. Obviously, a lot of the stuff he had said later in life, but even as he came out of this period, George recognized his behavior was... Uh, it could have been better, um, but he also right. kind of couched it under life's uh, life's journey. If you le- if you watch the Living in the Material World documentary yeah. that came out uh, about three or four years ago, uh, or or longer, I guess, um, Olivia basically just comes right out and says, you know, that that George went through a a uh, many girlfriends period between uh, right. us being fully together and Patty. Right. Um, and George always appreciated um, beautiful women. Um, so I don't think he ever cheated on her, but it was, you know, right. it was he 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 was a fond appreciator of uh, <laughs> exactly. the stronger gender. So, right. And then throwing into all of that comes, uh, d- you know, during uh, 74, his voice starts to go and he yeah, starts yeah. developing laryngitis. So that is happening as the kind of the, the, le- the album is finishing up being recorded and right in time for when he starts the tour. So it's kind of that one-two punch of his voice was kind of not in good shape 
compounded it by having to go out on tour and sing every night, basically try to scream right. over the crowd. Um, and not, and also noted here is this is the first full tour of a Beatle since 1966 in North America. Right. So, um, so there was that uh, pressure too, because there yep. were, there were people who wanted George to sing all the Beatles songs and mm -hmm. he, you know, he did a few, he didn't right. turn his back on, on his Beatle life, the way John right. refused to play the Beatles or Paul refused right. to play any Beatles songs for several years when he was touring right. with wings and by himself. And then, yep. you know, then of course McCartney went, right. I can make a lot more money if I just do those songs <laughs> and, exactly. I, and I will. So tracking, this is basically to, to, to refresh your memory. This is uh, where Robert and I talk about, you know, can we listen to this album back to front? Uh, uh, can we just set it and forget it and listen to it all the way through? And I think we both agree. Well, and maybe we are kind of in the bag here, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I still like this album. It's a, it's not as good. Uh, I don't rate it as high or listen to it as frequently as all things must pass. And even living in the material world, but I still like it. It's still, a, it's, you know, I, I I'm going to paraphrase uh, Paul McCartney. It's like, it is a fucking George Harrison album. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I, you know, I'm uh, barring him, you know, just uh, farting into a microphone. I, that's, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I probably just listened to pretty much anything he he put out uh, over and over again. I agree, right? I can try. You know I, what I love about George? This is it, it kind of comes on this record. Um, right. I mean, All things must pass is uh, for me the, the the you know the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, um, I uh, living in the material world. I like dark dark horse. I like. Um, uh, there are some George records, uh, uh, extra texture, uh, even the solo George Harrison um, mm -hmm. from 1979. I mean, I will track them, but uh, right. <laughs> I don't feel bad about skipping a track here or there. Yep. Um, you know, it, it I hear like you. if I'm going to do it, right, I'll put it this way. If I'm going to do a greatest, if I'm going to put my own greatest hits playlist together on Spotify or Pandora or whatever, mm -hmm. Apple, uh, it's yep. all of all things must pass. And then most of living in the material world, uh, most of this record, you know, and then, you know, some odds and sods there. Um, right. But again, you know, as I, as I discovered with when we did Run for the Roses on the last episode, um, the older I get, I'm really appreciating some of these, you know, this particular record in a way that I hadn't before. Uh, because yeah. I didn't, I didn't, this was not one that I would necessarily have tracked before. But mm -hmm. in doing this exercise, uh, I didn't really want to skip over Right. Uh, anything and and exactly went through very um you know again george never released records because he had to he did them because he wanted to and the art needed to speak through so moving into music and lyrics my initial take is this just feels like it's his divorce mm -hmm. album this is like hey i know i know it's over i know i screwed up um and you know i'm kind of uh taking blame it and only the world you know the man who wrote a song like cheer down who took a <laughs> obviously upbeat uh saying like cheer up and turned it into cheer down um there's a very british um taking a very uh negative look on life but also kind of laughing at it and not being super serious about it that 
uh, is throughout this album. So even divorce, even people, you know, uh, seeing where he went wrong and seeing dumb things he did in his past, he still has a, he still either sees something good in it or at least, you know, can laugh at himself because of it. So overall, uh, I, I think it's a lot of just uh, good and funny things and just some, some classic uh, 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 Georgisms. Uh, you, what's your overall feel there, Robert? Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, on all of this. Maybe because I, I went through that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, my ex-wife didn't leave me for Eric Clapton, but... <laughs> Close enough, though. <laughs> you know, a breakup of anything, you know, a relationship uh, that you're really, really into can have an effect. And this really spoke to me. Right. So and and, and here's the one one thing interesting. And I'm going to go back to our, our episode one with Jerry Garcia and, you know, something that John Lennon would do uh, uh, as well. In those songs, you know, in the Jerry Garcia album last week and in John Lennon songs, it would frequently be yeah, this woman did me wrong. And yeah, she's ruined my life. Yeah, she's the worst ever. And it's all her fault. George's take is the other way. He, a lot of these lyrics are, yeah, here's all the things, here's the, all the ways I messed up. Sure. And here's all the things that I have to atone for or, or make good on. Not, you know, and here's all the people that I've kind of wronged and, 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 you know, and not that he couldn't be, you know, uh, angry, vindictive, but he's just not at that um, even when he is, he doesn't, he, he kind of sees that it's, you know, it's basically two people that are, are messing this up. It's not, you know, no one can be blameless here. So, uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, I'll start with, um, second song. Um, well, let's, sim- yeah, yeah hang go on. Ahead. just, just real quick on Harry's on tour. Yep. What I love about that song, it's an instrumental. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. It to me feels like it could be the beginning of a seventies mm-hmm. TV show. Yeah, or a variety show, or the George variety Harrison show, hour. or or it's the <laughs> opening track in a film. You're talking about simply yeah. shady, yeah. Simply shady. So in there, it's you know he talks about a pebble in the ocean must cause some kind of stir, and witness by silence will reach from here to there. The action that I've started, sometime I'll have to face my influence in motion, rebounding back through space. So he's basically saying, you know, whatever badness I'm going through, negative feelings I have right now. They're all kind of caused by me throwing that pebble, uh, causing this stir. It's now coming back and I have to face it. I just can't walk away from it and be blameless on this. Right. When you think about this in terms of like, you know, his best friend writing an entire album about how he's in love with his best friends, you know, (laughs) with his wife, you would think like, all right, well, George... George has the high ground on this. He's like, all right, this is my, my good buddy. And he's basically, you know, wants to sleep with my wife. He and at least sees like, all right, uh, I'm not completely blameless in this. Uh, obviously, he knows what he's doing and, you know, his, his, uh, his, you know, cat, catting around uh, town with other women. So he, he, he's realizing he's not blameless there. Right. I mean, it, it, so in the gospel, according to George, uh, George, what he wrote about this song, uh, Mm -hmm. simply shady is about what happens to naughty boys in the music business. And, and (laughs) the song opens up with, uh, somebody brought the juicer. I thought I'd take a sip, came (laughs) off the rail. So crazy. My senses took a dip before the bottle hit the floor. And I'd had time to think I was blinded by desire. The elephant turned pink. He's blaming a little on the alcohol. 
but he mm-hmm. he had opens up and says, "Well, it you know the alcohol didn't fall into my mouth. I I did it. The, the way the song is constructed, he talks about these these things that had happened, mm-hmm. and then you know the rest is simply shady." The first two times you hear the chorus, it says, you may think about a lady, cause yourself a minor war, and your life won't be so easy anymore. So, little dig at Eric. Right. And the second exactly. time he does the chorus, again, it's the whole thing, thing about, you know, uh, life isn't simple. You may think about a lady, let her in through your front door, but your mm-hmm. life won't be so easy anymore. So, that's a little like, all right, well, I had this affair, this affair. Then he throws a little bit at the groupie types, you know, where he, <laughs> the final one is... Um, the apple scruffs. You, you may think of sexy Sadie. Let her in right. through your front door and your right. life won't be so easy anymore. Yeah. Oh, and that's a very good point. Um, uh, it's it's funny. For someone who had such a love-hate relationship with his history in the Beatles, he does more cross-referencing and back-referencing of Beatles songs than anybody else. Yeah. Um, you know this album uh you know this album obviously you just mentioned sexy sadie in his previous one living in the material world he talks about john and paul and getting richie on tour and 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 that's a, so he you know uh mm-hmm. as much as he wants to say like yeah it's, it's I, I would never i'd never go back to the beatles i'd never play in the beatles again he you know it's clearly part of his life part right of, i mean right up sister. into his second to last record cloud nine right <laughs> he wrote an entire song about the you know about his time in the Beatles, um, right. with Ringo on drums. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, let's go. Let's hop over to uh, "So Sad." Um, yeah. You know, another uh, breakup song. Another song about his his uh, his basically the end of his relationship with Patty Boyd. I love the song. I love the way his his guitar work on the song as well. Um, and I think it does a great job of upsetting of, of that mood. Yeah, and then we have uh, "Bye Bye Love," which mm-hmm. again, as we talked about, uh, we, we is a cover of an Everly Brothers song. Now right. it's uh, you, on. You the, would not think it was the same song at all. Again, it was not one of those songs that I had sort of gone to before we were doing this record. It's credited to the Bryans, and then George said, "You know, he writes on, on the record itself." Uh, George says, and I added this. Um, parody lyric um mm-hmm. which is there goes our lady with uh you know who i hope she's <laughs> happy old clapper too we had good right. rhythm and a little slide till she stepped in do me a favor or did me a favor i threw them both out uh, you know the ultimate breakup song bye bye love um and then you know he's like oh and if you're missing what i'm talking about my old lady went with Clapper, which was his name for Eric Clapton. <laughs> and then I decided I'd throw them both out. But of course he didn't. Now, on the record, uh, on the liner notes for yep. Bye Bye Love, Rhythm Ace and Patty and Eric Clapton, George on everything <laughs> else. What? So George in interviews around the time said, oh, I was just kidding around. Eric and Patty weren't on the track. However, um, <laughs> on the same liner notes, Tom Scott and the LA Express appear courtesy of Ode Records. Billy Preston, Lon, Derek Van Eaton appear through the courtesy of AM Records. Alvin Lee appears through the courtesy of CBS Records. Eric Clapton appears through the courtesy of RSO Records. Yeah. So, what do you think of My Love? Not my favorite song on the album, but I certainly liked it and enjoyed listening to it. I don't have real. You know, uh, I, I don't remember the lyrics as I was trying to think of the lyrics. I don't remember the lyrics as well to try to. Uh, I mean, this is, a, this is George. That is, you know, it's very 
you know, it's a chant. It's this is this is this. You know, it's my right. love, my love, my love. You know, if it was a McCartney song, it would have no meaning whatsoever. But <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, it's got a good groove. And then we get to George's, uh, as you say, holiday song. <laughs> right. This was the first, second single off the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, ding dong, ding dong. Right. Uh, which you hear on rock, classic rock radio around Christmas time. Right. So John had done uh, Happy Christmas War is Over. So now George is like, well, sure, I'll do one. But right. I'm not going to do a Christmas song. I'm going to do a New Year's Day song. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think... Uh, my take on that is it kind of works for for him and for the album in this way. It is, you know, I just had this shitty year. I want, you know, let's get out with the old. Let's forget this this year that we just went through where, uh, you know, left my girlfriend and, you know, still fighting with Beatles management and lawyers and all that stuff. And let's celebrate a new year. Let's start fresh. Let's start clean. Let's do something new uh, in the new year. So I, I, I think it kind of is it sets a good tone for. All right this is what 74 was. Let's hope 75 is better. Right. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so dark horse. Yeah. So now on side two here, dark horse. Yep. Well, let's hear your take. There is some of him kind of being like, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the black sheep of the family being underestimated, but also he doesn't shy away from his role in, in this stuff. He, admits that he's kind of the scoundrel here, that it's, you know, part of the reason why Patty left me for Eric Clapton is because I kind of in a way pushed her away. I I wasn't exactly the best husband to begin with. So he is taking some of, you know, he he's the dark horse. He's the dark actor in this relationship. It's not something else that somebody else did to him. See, I have a completely different take. Right, part like of it. it is in part <laughs> of it is influenced by what you know, George said about the song. Okay. So the phrase dark horse is, uh, it's a racing term. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually there's, there are two different versions of it, right? So, so in a way you're, you're, we're, I guess we're both right. So this is what, according to, uh, uh, George himself, dark horse is, is the old story quote, Mr. Penguins poking Mrs. Johnson from the co-op. Oh really? Who'd have thought that? He's a bit of a dark horse, isn't he? <laughs> right. I didn't, and then George says, I didn't know till later the other idea of Dark Horse, the one that wins, that nobody puts any money on. Right. I'm a bit thick, really. But this has been one of my favorite George Harrison songs uh, since I was a kid. So you have too many people off of Ram, and then John follows that back up with How Do You Sleep, where he just, I mean, slams McCartney with, you know, all your songs are music to my ears. Uh, You know, the only thing you've done was yesterday. Uh, Now you've got another day, which is, you know, he interpreted McCartney's period at this point is just crap. Like, you know, come on, you're a better writer. So if you're going to put those two together and then come and write, I'm going to mix the sports metaphor. But uh, coming right up the middle of the field is George Harrison, right? Uh-huh. You know, with the, oh, yeah, you, you guys, you remember how you left me off the records a lot? <laughs> I'm a brilliant fucking songwriter over here, right? Yeah, exactly. You thought, I mean, it starts right with, you thought that you knew where I was and when, but it looks like you, you've been fooling you again. Mm-hmm. You thought he'd got me all staked out, but baby, looks like I've been breaking out. Because at this point, George is like the most successful Beatle. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he is consistently releasing records. Right. He's the first guy that went on tour. He is lit. 
literally the dark horse. <laughs> exactly. So that's what he's that's what he said he was saying yeah. in here. But I just I, I love it. And he says that, you know, it's it's the courses, you know, I'm a dark horse running on a dark race course. I'm a blue moon since I stepped out of the womb. Yep. Now I've been you know, it's one of those things that I I I had always wanted to interview George and uh you know, it it Sadly, won't happen. But I, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask was: Listen, I know you explain your, you know, the music is up for interpretation and the lyrics and all this, but I just really want to know what is a cool jerk? Is it, <laughs> is it, is it a Smokey Robinson reference? Right. Is it a dance? Right. Because he says, "I've been a cool jerk looking for the source. I'm a dark horse." So that might fit with what you were saying, Mike, about uh, him owning uh, what was going on in this uh in this period but you know again if you really go through this whole song it's um i thought that you knew it all along until you started getting me not right seems as if you heard a little late but i warned you when we were both at the starting gate to me this was the all right yeah i i am i am uh, i am i am superman <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so uh, let's move on to um Far East Man. Um, now, I did not realize until doing this research that this was written with Ron Wood and was on his uh, Ron Wood solo album. I've got my own album to do, which mm -hmm. is also filled with, uh, <laughs> you know, his own Ron Wood's own uh, take on like, oh, well, I have to deal with, uh, you know, this is pre-stones Ron Wood. This is faces Ron Wood. And he had to deal with... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rod Stewart going out and, you know, doing his own solo albums and his response to say, I've got my own album to do. So, um, so what I found funny, and this is going to, uh, for those that know, um, famously, uh, something, the song by, uh, George Harrison on the album Abbey Road was, uh, famously quoted by um, Frank Sinatra as saying that it's the greatest love song ever written. And he would occasionally credit to Lennon and McCartney. I think right. when he would play it live, he would say, yeah. Oh, this is a song written by Lennon and McCartney. Um, uh, all apologies to my very, very poor impersonation of Frank Sinatra. Um, <laughs> so in the beginning of this song, he, uh, George calls out the, Frank Sinatra and he's like this is for Frank Sinatra uh, you can play this at, at Caesars Palace so this is an obvious nod to the fact that Frank Sinatra A loved and recorded uh, something and B also thought that he was you know that he didn't write his own song yeah he uh, so George says that uh, you know the tune to the verse of Far East Man was written with Ronnie Wood we stumbled on it and other things because Ronnie was part of, you know, Ronnie Ronwood was uh, uh, George's uh, Harry Nielsen during this period. Uh, we stumbled upon it and other things in 1970, during 74. He wanted to do it for the album he was making. I've got my own album to do. So he phoned me up and said, can you write some words? I thought of the words driving down the M4 on my way to his house. <laughs> the idea came about because the Faces had done a tour of the Far East and Woody came into the session wearing a T-shirt with the wording... Far East man, far out man. Like that was the joke. So yeah, um, yeah. So the the I think the music is the same, right? Uh, and George, you know, George's lyrics are different than um, 
than Ronnie Woods. Right. Um, but it's it is it's a bloody brilliant song. It is. It's it's great. And then the last song on the album is "It Is He," which is just basically a uh, a chant. Jashi Krishna. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. what <laughs> that's what he said. You know, it's one of those. I, I found myself um, a lot uh coming back to this like i you know i'd retract the album but but before i'd flip it back or start the you know start from the top again i would listen to this one probably two or three times um it it could be uh, the fact that last week was the uh you know we were listening to this during the republican national convention so maybe i needed to balance <laughs> yeah. all of the uh piss and vinegar and lies coming uh-huh. out of uh carolina there with yep. with just some sort of cleansing um i don't know maybe i'm beginning my own thing right who knows right <laughs> all right so let's let's hop into where do we go from here and uh, what happened afterwards most uh most quickly uh immediately actually even before the album was released um he is on tour on the uh the dark horse tour uh album i mean the dark horse uh tour with ravi shankar kind of co-headlining and and going throughout basically North America and Canada and parts of Canada. Um, and as you had mentioned before, that that tour was kind of panned, mostly because his voice was in tatters by that point and kind of you know, couldn't perform all that well. And, you know, the kind of going back to the concert with Bangladesh, uh, some people, you know, showed up for a George Harrison concert and, you know, weren't too pleased to sit through, uh, you know, a couple hours of a Ravi Shankar concert as well. So there is that right and then after that uh after that tour kind of settles down i'm sure he you know he was you know starting his dark horse label working on movies but then uh several other albums uh extra textra in 1975 33 and a third in 1976 george harrison album in 1979 somewhere in england in 1981 gone tropo the first ever george harrison album i bought with my own money uh, on vinyl at Crazy Rhythms, uh, 1982. Uh, and I, I think I only got it for about a dollar back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then nothing until Cloud Nine in 87, The Wilburys in 89, and then Brainwash in 2000. So I think, and uh, you, you'll agree with me here, he, you know, he was definitely, it's funny, he was on a very good clip there in the 70s and slowed obviously in the 80s into the into the 90s uh but you know sometimes less is more and with george harrison mm-hmm. that's certainly the case <laughs> i can sum up by saying uh, i will leave it with uh, ding dong ding dong this was a a snapshot a a covering of kind of all that george was going through in 1974 kind of put into an album you know the highs the lows the um you know and uh just kind of living through it and kind of showing all kind of warts and all what he was going through and the mistakes he made and 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 also you know the the hash he wanted to settle with some other people notably ex-band members and uh and where he was going to go after that uh and i i think um you know in in certain regards from a commercial respect he you know he doesn't kind of it doesn't it's kind of the start of him uh tailing off a little bit, especially after all things must pass and living in the material world. But in, you know, in having something to say and, 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 and an artistic statement, I, I still think it's strong and overall holds up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, he, you know, I, I would venture to say as well, like some, you know, though cloud nine 
you know, was a much bigger commercial and critical success, I would still, I still would prefer this a little bit more just because I think it's a little bit more him just, you know, uh, doing what he wanted to do and, uh, making his personal statements rather than him trying to, you know, sell units and, and, and reach an audience. Now, what's really interesting to sum up is, you know, he writes the song Dark Horse. Uh-huh. He calls this album Dark Horse. Yeah. He forms a record label called Dark Horse. Yep. However, he doesn't really, I mean, there's, this is the confusing part. He doesn't, he, he doesn't hold this record <laughs> on, as the first release um, right. on his label. McCartney would have held the records, would have held this. Yeah, without a doubt. But the fact that he was always on, he was the quiet one. He was underestimated um, and did, was in the shadow, basically, that his whole business outfit is Dark Horse. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Well, I think that was fun. Um, that's, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of George Harrison, a lot of George Harrison talk. So, um, you know, uh, thank you all for, for following along and listening and, uh, you know, um, if you have any suggestions, any songs, any albums, anything you want to do, we, I heard from Dave Richards, a friend of ours we went to high school with who wants us to do a Midnight Oil album, which uh, I am happy to do. Um, but we, we will get to that. We have something planned for our next show, which will be great as well, which is a little bit different than our previous two. Uh, the, uh, the first two obviously were in more of the classic rock mode. Um, this will take us a little bit out of that comfort zone. We're going, yeah. we're going up uh, into the late nineties. Yes, exactly. And this is a record that you are familiar with, and I'm discovering for the first time. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and uh, please uh, follow us. Uh, you know, uh, on our social medias, uh, wherever you find them. So on uh, Twitter, we're at Radio Free Jersey. On at Facebook, at Radio Free Jersey as well, and. Uh, the website is RadioFreeJersey.com. Yeah, we made it real easy. Just you could find us all at Radio Free Jersey. Exactly. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Radio Free Jersey Record Club is written and produced by Michael Marinello and Robert Mathers. Music by Alibi. I'm Craig Peterson for Exit 30 Media. Stay safe, stay classy, and for f- sake, wear a mask.